welcome to Life Pairings, where two Canadian alcohol connoisseurs mix life events and libation. Hello, I'm Carla Richards. And I'm Brittany Lysing. And, and this, this is Life, life Pairings. pairings. <laughs> because life is hard. So pair it with alcohol. Get out all your little tools, the tiny shovel, the weird fork thing, some pots that need holes in them. So you have to get a drill and it's really complicated. And then try not to kill anything as today is gardening volume two with strawberry daiquiris. We discuss Leonard Nimoy poop and the Spanish-American War. Ooh. Pretty exciting. And we have a guest. Woo. Hello. Gary L. Brown. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me, guys. This thanks is very exciting. Coming. Thank you for coming. Yeah. This is uh Gary is um uh gar we've decided she's a gardening expert. Yeah. And everything just, we say is correct and nothing is wrong. So Yeah, you percentage wise have had more successful you have a lot of plants, let's be honest. I do have a lot of plants. It has come at the cost of a lot of other plants dying, but we don't need to talk about that part. Right. That's fair. As you know what, we discussed in our first uh, uh first gardening episode, which was last mm-hmm. year at this exact same time actually. Um was that that's like the most successful way to garden is to fail and learn from your failure it totally is and everybody's garden is different so you kind of got to like trial and error what lives at your house and if it works you grow more of it and if it doesn't you don't try again right (laughs) see i'm having this problem with mint right now where carla Mm -hmm. has grown successfully Mine's like become a tree a bushel of mint (laughs) well then (laughs) And I have a dead leaf of mint. (laughs) And it's all I really wanted was fucking mint and chives and what else? Thyme. Mm. I mean, I really didn't care about anything else. I have, uh, you know what's growing like a weed? Uh, Rosemary. Guess which herb I hate the most. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the rule, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure there's a rule in gardening that if you care about it, it will die. (laughs) And if you don't, it will thrive. And then you just have everything that you hate. I, this is, I swear, this is just like a rule in life where it's like, if you care too much about something, everything they can tell. And they just, like, if you want to be someone's friend too bad, if you want, if you want to like get a job, if you want to, whatever it is, life is just like gross. (laughs) This is You're what happened so to one of my, my plants. I've overwatered it, which apparently mm-hmm. is a big thing. Mm-hmm. That, that's one of the most common mistakes. But it, it, it does definitely feel like, you know, like when we we're younger and people used to be like, don't be such a try hard. That's what I feel my garden is yelling back at me. Yep. All our baggage is just coming out <laughs> in this gardening episode, oddly. But it is it is such a like there is like it's like 50 percent success 50 percent fail so it is like a roller coaster ride of emotion yes yeah i always feel like i'm like and and i get so gung-ho for it like every year this actually might be one of my more successful gardening years just because i'm home a lot mm-hmm. and everybody keeps asking how work is going and i <laughs> in a very defensive way have been like i'm very busy with my yard because i'm a comedian in a pandemic so i don't have a job 
So, like, anytime anybody asks, I'm like, I, my plants take a lot of time. <laughs> Which is not true. <laughs> you literally water them once every two days and they just either live or don't because the sun's too hot or not. I mean, it really is. But I've been very attentive to my, my outdoor living area. Um, You also named your trees. Oh, I didn't name my trees. <laughs> yeah, I got three new spruce trees. Um... I've decided they required names because my mom told me if you talk to plants and trees and give them the attention they need and deserve, uh, that they will flourish. So the, I call them the three spruces. One is Spruce Willis, one is uh, Spruce Lee, and the other is Spruce Springsteen. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and Spruce Spring or Spruce Lee has been named Spruce Lee because he's fighting for his life. I don't know if he'll make it. Oh no. <laughs> and then my dad built me a planter and i have named him robert planter so i mean and then it started to get out of hand because chelsea was like what should we call the tiger lilies and i was like i don't know she's like how about sheer Khan?" (laughs) (laughs) so it's sort of become it's become like a a running joke around my house that like everything has a name which Mm -hmm. stemmed uh very much from the friends episode where joey names his tv stevie the tv (laughs) (laughs) but yeah Um, so that's so you're obviously to Brittany gardening means quite a lot right now um it's everything (laughs) gary what does it mean to you yeah i was thinking about this earlier today um i just really like plants and like (laughs) I don't know why. Like, I I can't tell you what it is about plants that has got me totally obsessed. Um, But I'm just obsessed with plants. And I've got too many of them in my house and too many of them outside of my house. And I spend too much money on it. But I just find, like, I like looking at plants. I find them calming, which, you know, for someone who has pretty bad anxiety, you need calming things in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then outside, especially gardening, I mean, we have such a a short season here in Calgary and I like to spend as much time as possible outside and gardening is just a really good excuse to like hang out in the sun, drink a beer, maybe dig a hole, maybe do nothing, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) And you know what? It's like, people will tell you you have too many plants what are you like what what is their argument you're like yeah it's, it's tons of oxygen here we hate it. <laughs> yeah, i can breathe it's uh oh no yeah we uh we do have too many plants though because when um everything shut down and we couldn't work in the office anymore i had to bring all of my office plants home and we oh. ran out of surface area <laughs> for inside plants yeah <laughs> I can find that. I, I can imagine that would be frustrating if you're not as attached to them. Like, you know, you're like, you're trying to chop a piece of, chop something and there's plants in the way. That would be frustrating. <laughs> I'm a yeah. real counter space. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, socially acceptable to, to, to say Nazi anymore, but I'm a little bit of a county counter space Nazi. <laughs> I'm like, I don't like things on surfaces. Mm-hmm. I don't like a cluttered surface. So if I see like uh, if there's like a toast, if there's too many appliances on a surface, I start getting a little uh, a little uh, loose with my temper. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a short fuse. <laughs> I have like thrown a toaster in the garbage out of like anger, and then been like, I actually really need that. I don't want to. <laughs> Wait, come back. back. <laughs> Carl, what it what is uh this is round two. Has it changed? Yeah. What does gardening mean to you? Well, this year I have an actual backyard. 
whereas last year I had a patio, uh, like a very small patio. So I had three plants, three herb plants. Uh, and then I went away for most of the summer and they all died because my husband was unclear on the instructions of water, <laughs> <laughs> which to be fair, so am I. So uh, everything died last year and then we moved to Calgary. So totally different um, not that I would have noticed that it has a different climate for planting because I'm like, I don't know. So I actually, I tried to grow things from seeds that did not work. Uh, I then went and bought the little plants that you get, you know, um, and mm-hmm. they seem to be going very well, knock on wood. We had a little hail the other day and they made it through. Ooh. So I think it's kind of like, it's becoming now a bit of a competition against myself. Right. Like, okay, well, how many can I keep alive? I also am playing a lot of, I'm very obsessed right now with the video game, which is weird because I don't play video games, uh, Jurassic Park Evolution, which is just park management, which is my old job <laughs> that I burned out from. I was and... going to say, which Carla did nothing but complain about for four years. <laughs> and now all I want to do is this job, And but there's dinosaurs, so that's fun. So I think there's like a weird thing of, of that and this combining in my head that conversation so just, that conversation almost ended up in a toaster uh, style <laughs> revolt from me because you're like you're like i'm really enjoying this game where i manage others god yeah. i wished i had some sort of life experience in that. yeah <laughs> i know it's ridiculous I've been, i love it. I, I just checked today i played 30 hours already this is why i'm not allowed to play video games i'm not allowed to have obsessive things that's just my obsession right now is jason bateman yes yes you've it's... got the, you've got the bateman i've got the yeah it's i mean i don't know it's question it's i i am questioning myself uh in a lot of ways because i'm just like <laughs> is it have i reached an age where i'm sexually attracted to jason bateman's body of work i guess so <laughs> um, but this is where we're at this is good you guys so i have a few tips and tricks here and then um what i'm doing yes. is i'm just reading them off a website so maybe i what what we can do is uh gary if you if you see some holes in this uh, <laughs> point them out. Uh, Will do because we already did the psychology. So if you want to listen to it, we have an old episode. I think it's like the third episode we ever did. Oh yeah, it's um, spotty. It's touch and go. It's it's <laughs> a lot of uh, reading off the computer screen. It's a lot of uh, uncertainty in life. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and the sound quality not great. Not but great, have a listen. No. Episode three. It really was go back funny. There. I listened to it yesterday. <laughs> I, I giggled. I did not because uh, homework is not for me. I <laughs> I can breeze over the psychology. You guys, good. Uh, mm-hmm. Go back and listen to it. But I, there's a lot more. Uh, there, there's a lot more for. But it's just great to have your hands uh, in the earth. Uh, it's great to grow things, uh, eat them, be mm-hmm. happy. You know, get the payoff from your hard work. So it's and pretty... fail. That was the other big thing. Oh yeah, the and failing, uh, which we kind of just talked about. But yeah, if you. The failing and then learning from your mistakes is a, really a, a good thing. I What I do, I like to fail and then I cry. Uh, yeah. And then I give up and never go back. It's <laughs> not really great. <laughs> you do you, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, I'm on the Miracle Grow website. So oh. I felt they would be, unless the, this is like their way of selling you their product, which is telling you to do it all wrong and then being like, have you tried Miracle Grow? <laughs> which could be possible. Um, uh, number one is cite it right. Starting a garden is just like real estate. It's all about location. Place your garden in a place of your yard uh, that you will see it regularly. So uh, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. So 
you know, just having it in a place where you have to walk past it and it's part of your day uh, is a good start. Hmm. Um, following yeah. the sun. Oh, yeah. So does that, are you, can you see your garden, Harry, <laughs> when you walk out? Definitely, definitely can see the garden. Um, I think you're going to get to it at the next part, but there's other reasons to pick where you put your garden beyond just visibility. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's all the website says. I mean, this is not good. I, I swear I wished I would have read further. Um, no, follow <laughs> the sun. They say uh, misjudging sunlight is a common pitfall when first planting, uh, learning to plant a garden. So pay attention to how the sunlight plays through your garden before choosing a spot in your garden. Most edible plants, including vegetables, herbs, and fruit, need at least six hours of sun in order to thrive. So planting it in the shade. Is not going to be beneficial unless that's right. what that plant requires. <laughs> For sure. Is this <laughs> accurate? Thus I far? Definitely, definitely accurate. I have an interesting note about um, full sun plants because you just mentioned six hours of sunlight. So I used to go and get plants and they'd say full sun. And I was like, perfect. I'll put this south facing in the front of my yard. It'll get grilled with sun all day. There's no shade. And then they kept dying. And I was like, well, what's wrong with them? They're supposed to be full sun. Turns out that that means six hours of sunlight a day. So in Calgary, our like (laughs) south facing 11 hours of blazing hot sun is actually too much for some of those plants. So don't get discouraged. Uh, cause I definitely did until okay. someone was like, you only need six hours of sun for a full sun plant. And I was that like, that is, oh, good <laughs> where are these plants living? Is this like, who only gets six hours of, I guess on the equation. That is so helpful and frustrating to hear because <laughs> I have, I'm just baking plants out there. Cause I have a West facing backyard. Yep. So like after I'd say, well, I mean, noon, because that's when the sun would be it'd be high noon it'd be in the middle of the sky <laughs> so from noon till like in the summer 10 a 10 p.m yeah. they're getting full sun it's true and like you can still do it um obviously like i have a big south facing garden that just gets grilled all day but you just gotta like pick your plants carefully uh, make sure they're a little bit drought tolerant because it gets hot and dry and maybe water them a bit more but it's something to keep in mind. When they say full sun, they don't mean 15 hours of blazing hot sun. <laughs> Which a lot, them- of, oh, a lot of people don't think that about Calgary, but it's true. Like if you live on the prairies, like everyone's like, oh, cold winter. You're like, yeah, super cold winter, but actually paralyzingly hot summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sun, lot of sun here. Yeah. Can you give your plants like little umbrellas? Is that a thing we could do? You can. Um, I actually do have like a cover for my vegetable garden um, because some of the veggies, especially like lettuce, will just start to taste really bitter if it gets too much sun. And so I actually use a cover in the really hot parts of summer on some of my cold crops like broccoli or cauliflower or lettuce to keep them from getting totally roasted. Oh, cool. This is very helpful because mm-hmm. what I've done is I really didn't, this is, this is embarrassing um, to admit on, on, uh, on air here, but I just uh, built a planter and I just put it without a lot of consideration. And then I just fired herbs in there. And then every <laughs> once in a while I just dump a glass of water on them. And then I'm like, <laughs> I don't understand why this is not growing. It looks very, <laughs> it's at the end of your deck. Aesthetically, it looks very pretty. Aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, I, if it, we put it somewhere else, it wouldn't look as good. But That's true. Maybe the plants would live, I don't know. And I, I mean, it's know. a good strategy. Like, put it where you want it, and then whatever survives, 
plant more of that. (laughs) Whatever is like, yeah, I like this spot and I like getting like half a glass of water every couple days. Yeah, you're you're going to figure out what to make with rosemary. Me and rosemary have a lot in common. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Another uh, tip number three. Stay close to water. Make sure that you are near a water source. Uh, Make sure you can run a hose. Make sure it's just, these are all very just like, make sure you can get water there or else you're not going to do it. Oh, I have a question then. I hope it's not for me. No, it's not for me. Gary, I think you have a rain barrel, right? You guys have a couple Mm -hmm. of rain barrels. Okay. So I read, because apparently, and I don't know if this is every city, but you can order a rain barrel from your city place. And, but they said that it's not potable water. I don't know what that means. That um, means don't drink it. Okay. But they said, no, put, don't put it on your herbs and stuff. So then I'm like, but then I don't want to like r- keep running back and forth to the, let's be honest, inside tap because <laughs> I haven't quite figured the outside tap out yet. You see, so you can't, you can only use that for flowers, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I use my rain barrels mostly for uh, my flower gardens. Um, and I think it's just cause you collect a lot of stuff in there. So the water's mm-hmm. obviously like running off your roof. Um, and I don't know if you've ever looked in the bottom of a rain barrel. Ours <laughs> are completely full of like little roof pellets. Oh, <laughs> oh so yeah. like, okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I left I my, I just left my pool out. Like I blew, I have like a kiddie pool. That's like, uh, it, 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 you could lay down in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I left it out and then I didn't like change the water or scoop. It's literally like four inches of bugs. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I had to drain it and I was like, good, this is like a bug cemetery. <laughs> so I guess you wouldn't want that, all that dirtiness on your herbs. So I guess you have to use fresh tap water. Yeah, I use usually my hose water for my vegetable garden and my uh, rain barrels for everything else. Got it. Okay. Uh, Number four is start with great soil. So make sure you have the proper soil when you go. Like different things need different soil. Uh, When I went to uh, (laughs) the gardening center, I was like, what are the... There are 15 different kinds here. Like, I'm always just like, I, what I want to happen when I do anything is just have the most straightforward approach where it's just like a guided tour. Like, I'm just a stupid tourist on a, I just want to see where the celebrities live. That's all I want from life. I don't, so I just want to go into Lowe's and they're just like, buy this and this and grow this. And I want to be like, thank you, 15 year old. Thank you, Devin. Um, <laughs> So, oh, Devin's uh, back. I, I was hey. just gonna say that. <laughs> See what I did for you there? Yeah, he made it through the. What did he get thrown off the boat a while ago? He yeah, he's got a job. That's good. That's good. Devin's back. He's Devin's got, got a job. job. He's uh 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 he's doing well. I'd say he's doing well. He's learned his lesson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, this is where the Miracle Grow website really uh, really pumps itself. It goes, uh, get some Miracle Grow all purpose garden soil, and then top, and then mix it with mulch. Uh, so, I mean, I, I would imagine it's different for every single thing. Is it not, Gary? Yeah, it depends. It's essentially like some plants just need more nutrients and more food in their soil to be able to thrive, and other plants, like a dandelion, for example, would literally grow out of concrete. So it depends yes, what you're we, growing. We're, we're really successfully growing our dandelions right now. Me so. too. <laughs> yeah, going real. Also, Andy is 
getting a little obsessed with it. And he's like, I'm just going to keep mowing them. And I'm like, that's not. <laughs> you got to call a weed guy. I just finally, yeah. for the first time, like gave into the weed con- oh. control because I just was like, I can't. There's a guy something. that comes and do it, does it? It's only one guy in all of Calgary. <laughs> he's probably pretty booked up now. You might have missed your yeah. opportunity. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you can just call a guy. He call a fella yeah. and he'll come yeah. by. Uh, or or gal. This is my new favorite mm-hmm. thing I've been hearing this lots lately. It's when like somebody who's like very misogynistic and then like the a female being able to do a job is like an afterthought and they'll go uh uh and you can get a guy to do it or girl or woman or however you want to say and then you're just like Okay, thank you. That was so helpful. But yeah, you kind of <laughs> a guy or a gal, and they'll come out and uh, they'll do your lawn, uh, and then they'll rid you of those pesky uh, dandelions. But oh. it's not very natural. I kind of yeah, <laughs> it's, it's poison. They're spraying poison on their lawn. <laughs> right. Um, so the bottom of the rain barrel is the least of your problems. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Uh, number five, consider containers. Uh, when space is at a premium, look to containers. You can grow plants in many pots, including vegetables, herbs, fr- flowers, fruit trees, berries, and shrubs. Uh, when gardening in containers, use a pot that is large enough for the plant that it is hosting. Um, so yeah, it, you don't. It doesn't. If you don't. If you can't grow something properly in a the spot you want to you know you can do it in a smaller spot in a portable area in a uh are you a big uh, container grower i am not a huge container grower but that's just because one when, when we bought our house i specifically like made sure we had enough yard that i could just turn it all into a garden um so we don't actually have space for containers because i've just made garden beds everywhere But if we did have space, I would probably grow some stuff in containers, especially like vegetables and all of your annuals. They don't need super deep soil. um, And it's easier to give them good soil if you're using a container where you can sort of mix in new stuff every season and stuff like that. So definitely lots of perks to container growing. Um, I have just covered my entire yard in holes in the ground instead. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Well, is it? Sorry. Sorry, No, go ahead. Um, Is it? Okay, so this I mean I don't know if we'll talk about this after, but um, for people who are in colder climates, when mm-hmm. you can you can bring the containers into your garage then maybe when they all go yeah. did they go dormant did they go sleepies I don't know what <laughs> they go so, <laughs> some of them do um, it depends on what type of plants you're growing there's annuals which only survive one year and that's most of the like super showy flowers you see and stuff are annuals and then there's perennials which means they come back every year. If you want to grow perennials, it's better to do it in the ground. And that's because they get damaged when they like freeze and then thaw and then freeze again. And if there's one thing about Calgary that happens in the winter, (laughs) we get the Chinooks, right? And so being in pots for the perennials is a little bit too harsh for them and they generally don't survive. So if you want something that keeps coming back every year, it's best to do it in the ground. There's a few things you can get away with, like putting the pot in the garage or somewhere where it'll be protected. But it's not always super successful. Okay. Well, that okay. that yeah. that's perfect because that's uh, our next two points cover that. Oh, sorry. No, that's <laughs> that's a good segue. Um, that's one of them is choose the right plants. So choose the right plant to go in the right area. So that's that's great because a lot of times you're just like, 
I'm. I think I'm gonna grow palm trees. You're like, well, you don't care. About <laughs> <laughs> My dad uh, tried to. I, he was like, I'm growing a palm tree, and then it weirdly has lived in this like in their house, and then they brought it outside because they were like, it's gonna die, and it, I don't know how it survived. But it's still <laughs> Uh, oh. But then he tried to grow an avocado tree, and it was just basically like an avocado seed that set, sat in the window with toothpicks <laughs> holding it in place for, I think, four and a half years. Um, and then my mom murdered him. And that's the story <laughs> of <no>. uh, <laughs> And the the other the other big thing that was borrowing off uh, what you said there is learning your frost dates. So... Mm knowing when it just it says planting too early or too late in the season can spell disaster for your garden you need to know that the average spring frost date of your area so you don't accidentally kill your plants by putting them in prematurely it's also good to know that your first average fall frost date so that you can get your plants harvested or moved indoors before the late season cold damages them so this is something i do every year which is buy like uh, gorgeous tropical flowers in like <laughs> early March <laughs> and, and I'm always just like they died again yeah um, but so knowing your frost dates is important and uh that is and there's I think a couple apps that I tried I'm probably there but they can actually look at where you are in the is it longitudinal area like where how far you are from the equator and can give you kind of advice for your area nice so that's helpful because i was like when's the last frost in calgary it might be still oh, we're done honestly it. i don't know it could that be forever <laughs> yeah it could we could have frost in august which is yeah very depressing yeah. That's um true. Yeah, so that's kind of that's that, that's what it gives us. Uh, it's oh, the last one is add some mulch. Apply a layer of mulch that is two to three inches deep around each plant. This will help reduce weeds by blocking out the sun and reducing moisture through evaporation, so you have less water loss. Um, oh, what do you think of that, Carrie? Is that mulch truthful? is super super helpful, especially like I said in your south facing gardens when your plants are baking for fifteen hours a day. Mulch definitely makes a difference. Ooh, I've got a. I'm, I think the spruces need some mulch around them. <laughs> yeah, I'm Especially pro mulch. <laughs> pro mulch. I, I I wished you had some big controversial uh, <laughs> toaster like rage for mulch for some reason. Uh, just that the mulch industry is big. Big mulch was really taking us down. Um. Well, yeah, that's all I got for tips and tricks. All th- those all seem to be. Uh, accurate there wasn't too much uh miracle grow pr- promo involved no, very helpful <laughs> very helpful. helpful cleared some things up yeah uh now is the point in the podcast where we do a little history and i heard yes. you have a story that is just right up my alley no pun intended <laughs> yes uh, for us <laughs> yeah i do um so i actually just wanted to talk about like some really old school gardening by some of probably the best gardeners of all time and oh, who I'm we talking should... about? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Carla. we should mention that uh, Gary's actually a biological anthropologist. Yes, I tried to write that down, and I spelled anthropology <laughs> wrong. And um, oh yeah, I got got upset with probably. myself, and I just. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nice. Which is kind of the, well, you can, maybe, I'm not going to explain because I'll screw it up. Yeah. Can you tell us what a biological anthropologist does? Sure. Uh, I mean, anthropology is the study of humans and human variation. And so it can range all the way from like talking about in our past, like archaeology, all the way up to like living humans um, and cultures. Anthropology likes to look at uh, cultural and societal factors and how those influence things and our behavior as well. And then the biological part of mine is essentially talking about human health. So I combine health research and anthropology. So I look at like medical problems, not just from the standpoint of, you know, is it biological? Like you eat something that makes you sick, but we like to look at it in a broader fashion where you think about, well, like, why did you eat that? Um, Is it a behavior? Is it a societal factor? Is it a cultural factor? Um, How does your evolution play into it? So like really taking a big step back and looking at problems from like a sort of complex lens. That's really cool. That is science. And now I'm just like, what are you doing next week, Carrie? <laughs> For our next podcast, yeah, I was like, yeah, more of this. Um, but I now, but I'm, I, I imagine you have a pretty interesting story uh, now about the Aztecs because uh, that's yeah, um, yeah. So I got into biological anthropology because I was really interested in human health um, and also just the complex factors around human health. And while I was in my undergrad. I kind of discovered that archaeology was also along these lines. And I really love learning about ancient cultures and ancient humans and how we evolved and all that stuff. So I ended up doing a minor in archaeology. uh, And that's kind of what I'm drawing on today to talk about who I think were some of the best gardeners of all times. Um, And that's like early Mesoamerican civilizations, such as like the Olmec, the Toltec, the Maya, and the Aztecs, among others, because that was a busy place back then. Uh, And of course, (laughs) the fun part, one of their secrets to success, the original fertilizer, human (laughs) poop. (laughs) Human (laughs) doo-doo. Brittany, that wasn't in your top tips. It was... (laughs) Well, if if you guys must know, I do shit in the yard, and, <laughs> and that's where, where your rosemary is going. Where so the ro- well. you know what? I honestly thought I was going to kill it. It was it came out of anger, and it's been growing like a weed. So either I eat a very healthy diet, or the Aztecs were right. I love it. Um, yeah. So, and we can talk about why you probably shouldn't just poop in your garden a bit later. Damn it. <laughs> But we'll start off with like the good side of it first and then talk about that at the end. Okay. Um, Yeah. So imagine ancient Mesoamerica. There's a whole bunch of complex civilizations that are cropping up. The cities are starting to get quite big. The population is exploding and you need to feed everyone and also keep your cities clean. And we're talking like some of these cities could have a couple hundred thousand people in them. So quite large. Right, without kind of modern... Yeah, without any of our modern (laughs) fancy stuff. (laughs) And to make it even more challenging, like the environments that they live in are actually terrible for growing food. So like rainforests, despite being covered in trees and other plants, they're like notoriously nutrient-poor environments. Um, There's no nutrients in the soil, the soil is terrible, and there's not a lot of space for growing stuff. So they obviously had to get around all of this. 
And what they ended up doing was just being like super badass gardeners. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Badass gardeners. I, lo- I, I like, like it. it. I want to get now. I'm just like, every time someone says something that's like merch worthy, I'm like, t-shirts that say that. I would buy one and wear it all the time. <laughs> just a couple of badass gardeners with just like a human pooping on their uh, fruit. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Make it. I will buy it. <laughs> um, yeah. But like these civilizations, they had essentially like come fresh off of domesticating a bunch of plants uh, and turning them into like amazing tasty treats. So I'm talking about like corn, squash, beans. Um, they had kind of cultivated all of those from wild plants that you know, had some nutrition value, but like, weren't that great. Like corn was essentially just a grass that they selectively bred um, to create our amazing cobs of corn that we have now. And on top of that, they used a bunch of different farming strategies and techniques to sort of use the environments that they had as best as possible. So they did a couple things like slash and burn or Swidden farming uh, and they would use a plot for like a couple years and then the soil would be depleted. So then they'd let the rainforest grow back and they'd come back to it like three or five or even 20 years later. Um, they also always had like personal house or kitchen gardens for all of their herbs and close by stuff. And then they would engineer swamps and shallow lakes to make islands uh, or floating gardens. And wow. that's what I want to talk about today. <laughs> that's incredible. That's so neat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's kind of like a a story of resilience as well. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, they just kept, they were like, I know it won't grow here, but we we have got to figure out a way to eat. (laughs) Yeah, essentially. (laughs) We must continue living. (laughs) Food is good. (laughs) Yeah, so um, what these are called is chinampas, and they were created by the Aztecs. And it's essentially a floating garden that they would make in shallow lakes and swamps. And what they would do is make like an underwater fence and then layers of like reeds and other vegetation as a base. And then they would cover it in like a couple feet or maybe half a meter of like mud from the bottom of the lake, soil and poop. (laughs) (laughs) And this would create a super productive garden on an island. They were usually like long and skinny and they'd have a whole bunch of them sort of side to side and it would create like this huge system of floating gardens with canals in between them and they'd work them by going up and down in canoes. That's so cool. Yeah. And they would also plant trees on the corners of each one of these little gardens that they made and the roots would grow down into the water and anchor their garden island in place and then prevent the soil from getting washed away. Whoa. That's incredible. It's super cool engineering and it was super effective because they simultaneously kept the plants watered because they were on the lake, but also far enough up above the lake so that they didn't drown. And then the combination of mud from the bottom of the lake, uh, soil, and of course our favorite fertilizer poop meant that they had tons of nutrients in the soil. It was like super nutrient dense. So you could grow plants really quickly and they could get up to seven harvests out of each garden a year, which is just kind mm. of crazy. 
we get like one in our gardens in Calgary. So, I have yeah. desperately been waiting for my tomatoes to turn red and there's four <laughs> of you them. have tomatoes? I thought it's just a tree plant now. No, Carla. There, I there's have... things that comes out of it? <laughs> oh, mine doesn't it's have working. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so defensive. I'm like, there's a tomato on it. No, it's I'm like exciting. a single I'm, I'm very... tomato. <laughs> one lovely tomato. I will... It'll be the best one you've ever had, though. Just, right? I couldn't make a spaghetti sauce, I'll tell you that. But I might be able to have a nice salad. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's talk about the poop aspect. Because uh, human poop as fertilizer has been used all over the world and for a really, really long time. Um, it's been used in China, Japan, Europe, and Mesoamerica. And it's actually like a really excellent strategy for feeding plants. Uh, it's been euphemistically called night soil because, <laughs> yeah, poop collection duty usually happened at night because no one wanted to have the poop collectors walking around the city all day. Yeah, that's true. That makes fair. it less <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, what you got poop. there? <laughs> I cannot imagine the uh, constant joking that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't be able to handle myself. I have the uh, humor of a 14-year-old boy, so I would just Me be too. like, it would just nonstop be dookie jokes for <laughs> sunrise to sunset. Yeah. I still think toilet humor, poop, farts, all that stuff is like the pinnacle of comedy, and I'm 31, and I don't think that's ever going to change. I said to my aunt the other day, I was like, there's nothing funnier than a fart joke. They were asking me about comedy, and I was like, to me, there's nothing funnier than a fart joke. Like, there's different variations. You can you can make it a highbrow fart joke. You just got to figure it figure out a way. And then she said to me, she goes... Yeah, it might be for, funny for somebody your age. And then I was like, <laughs> I'm 35 years old. Like, I think there's an age you get to where you just stop recognizing that people below you are aging. She's like, yeah, it might be funny because you just turned 11 yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, look, lady, it's funny when someone farts. I don't know how to break it down any further to you. <laughs> but the Aztecs did. Tell us more, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> um yeah in in some societies like you could make so much money selling night soil uh that farmers sometimes would give up farming to just become poop dealers <laughs> i was like wow how like, things have changed job, yeah you think that job is actually not that yeah glamorous and so then you wouldn't be paid yeah although better... i did learn when i was in new york garbage men make more money than like I don't know. They yeah, make a ton of money. Job, it's like baby. there's a wait list get to get on there. Wow. Um, I also feel like the modern version of this would just be like monitoring people skip the dishes orders. Like it would just be like, it's pizza night over at the Johnson. Get your shovel ready. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I mean, like if you think about it, like this was before we had any kind of human-made fertilizer i mean i guess poop is human-made fertilizer <laughs> but you know what i mean like, yeah. <laughs> it was before we could manufacture fertilizer and so just the fact that it worked so well meant that it ended up being in high demand and so yeah you could make good money as a, a night soil vendor and in mesoamerica they used human poop as fertilizer in all their different garden types including like their little kitchen gardens and everything 
And actually, some of the earliest waste management systems in cities, like the original plumbing, were in some of these Mesoamerican civilizations. That's and so th- cool. I know. It's super cool. And I wish um, we still had it. I know. <laughs> the, I want to know my poop is going to help somebody. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> like, that's kind of, it's kind of an issue because if you're eating the food, eating the nutrients, pooping it out, and then using that as fertilizer and then growing more food out of it, you're cycling those nutrients through like a closed loop, right? Yeah. But if you do say this could be like a disease factor. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So that is an issue for sure. But just looking at the nutrients and forgetting about the like viruses and bacteria and parasites for a second, the way we do it in our current systems is like a lot of that ends up in landfills and stuff and not being used. And then our soils get depleted from nutrients. And then we have to use, you know, fertilizer uh, to try and get some of that back, but it doesn't do as good of a job at putting in micronutrients and stuff. And so we're actually overall depleting soils of nutrients um, worldwide. And it's kind of a problem. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Well, we should just start using our... We should use our poop. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we're going to have to come a little away from the uh, give it a beat before we start pooping and things. Like, people won't even touch grocery carts right now. I know. (laughs) know. We're, like, not in a good place to try and implement this at the current time. But... (laughs) No. I feel like the the mental space we're in, it does not lend itself well to just being like, hey, uh, we're a little low on fuel over here. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And for sure, like, there's definitely issues. Um, The main one being fecal oral contamination. In other Mm. words, eating poop. Um, and of course, that with that comes bacteria, parasites, uh, all kinds of diseases can get transmitted that way. And so really putting like raw poop into your garden or anything is not the best idea. But if you can compost it, you kind of get the best of both worlds where it's no longer, you know, dangerous. <laughs> You're not going to get like <laughs> cholera or anything. I was going to ask, is this, did it kind of go out of favor with cholera? I kind of only really learned that that's what I don't know why I thought it came from something from yeah, <laughs> but it, yeah, it was from because we were all not we, we weren't alive back then, but we were not maybe you never know could have been in your previous <laughs> yes, life, Carla. Could have been, yeah, yeah. Um, I would have been washing my hands after I went number two, though. I even in my previous life, and apparently some people were not. <laughs> yes. <they> call <laughs> Yeah, it it kind of went out of favor um, with industrialization and when people started wanting to like not have open poop and latrines in their cities, (laughs) which you know what? Fair. I'm on board with that. (laughs) Yeah. But once we started using like water to wash it away into like sewer systems and stuff, it really dilutes the nutrients. So it made it much less valuable as a fertilizer and also just harder to handle um, and the practice kind of went away as well as because as populations get bigger and there's more people in close quarters and everything, you, of course, have more diseases. And uh, if all of your potatoes are grown in fresh poop dirt, then yeah. everyone's going to get sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll quarantining forever. Yeah. <laughs> I always wondered where that uh, phrase, you're really watering my shit down, came from. <laughs> 
All right, I I've just made never that heard up. that before. It's, never, it's not a phrase anyone has it ever sh- said. It should be. <laughs> Do you know what I'm picturing though? Truly, it was like if we were composting our poop again, uh, is just like everybody, all the neighbors, like out. <laughs> Just like sitting on a compost barrel yeah. Yeah, and just Bob. reading the newspaper, like, hey, Frank, hey, Steve. I love it. There's just like a communal toilet. We, and everyone's just like really coy about it. She's like, what are you doing? Growing a, grown, yeah. grown a tomato garden? I'm growing too, if you know what I mean. She has all shit it. references. And that's, that's actually what they used to do. So the Aztecs would have like big latrines set up on bridges with like a whole bunch of toilets like side by side and canoes underneath them oh and then that's where everyone yes (laughs) oh Brittany, that was was it so bad it was good or carla does not care for my punning yeah i'm saying it it's been a pleasure having you thus far gary Oh, I am a fan of puns. Apologies, Carla. <laughs> I'm getting kicked off this podcast. Gary's yeah. taking my spot. I'm like, we, we've been trying to fill this other co-host spot for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they actually did that. So your strategy is a good one. I think we could implement it. I love it. Would you, I, what if you got into the, what if you were just going along the bridge and you're like, oh, canoe, a free canoe. What I'll if you go were, down the, and then yeah. what if you were a tu- what if you were a tourist and you didn't know this was happening <laughs> yeah. and you go back and it's like how was your trip you're never gonna guess this so I go to this canoe rental facility I grab a canoe <laughs> I'm paddling down it's their shit water <laughs> you thought you had a bad trip but yeah so that's my story about some really cool like engineering for gardening uh, in some tough environments and the importance of poop. (laughs) The importance. Amazing. Thank you very much. That was good. Your love for puns, your, uh, (laughs) your enjoyment of shit talk has really, I I feel like if we weren't close already, this is really tied the knot. (laughs) This is beyond up my alley. Uh, My mother constantly tells me that she's like, not everyone likes poop talk, Brittany. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, you want to know something? I think 80% of people do. Yeah, I'm on board with that. <laughs> I like it. And now I'm I have... Str- I'm struggling through this a little bit. But I know you are. It's historical, so it's fine. Historical poop is funnier. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you can't smell it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what it Every is. Every time I get to do doo-doo talk around you know, Carla, I'm just going to like implement <laughs> some sort of historical fact in there. You're like, like Queen Victoria... <laughs> you think queen victoria could lay coil you should see what i do there just like i don't even do it with any (laughs) that's not you just said queen victoria that's good well thank you very much uh thank you gary that's very informative and very i'm just excited i uh got to talk about poop for 15 minutes on a podcast (laughs) i have a little um new story to bring us into the future uh it's just i'm like what are we talking about again we're talking about no we're talking about gardening Gardening. (laughs) it's just a picture of me pooping in someone else's garden (laughs) um there is actually uh this is pretty neat uh there's been a bill a new bill uh put forth in Canada, currently in Ontario, to it is Bill 216, and it's the first of its kind in Canada, and it is was proposed in October of 2020, and it is they basically want to implement food learning into schools. Mm-hmm. Cool, food literacy rather. So it 
it would be just learning where your food comes from, learning what grows here, learning what you can plant, uh, how to prepare healthy meals and being aware of our food systems and how your food is delivered to you. So the bill is aimed to... Which I'm like, for most children, they're like, skip the dishes? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my mommy can't cook. Truly, I mean, I I really like... I think like even during COVID, one of the, one of the things that I was sort of astounded by was people just being like, I don't understand how there's no meat. And then you're like, well, Mm -hmm. everyone went ballistic, bought all the meat. (laughs) Yeah. And then also all our meat plant workers got sick because they're shoved into there. And then like, just like people's like lack of knowledge about our food chain was interesting to me. Yeah. Well, I think too. There's probably a huge like actually, Gary. You're a vegetarian. I think you've been a vegetarian for like a decade now. Yeah. But you did. You didn't really like the taste of meat when you were younger, right? No, I was always kind of a picky eater, and I think my parents would have had a better time if they just gave up on <laughs> meat earlier. <laughs> but like, I do wonder when there was like there must have been a time where we just as children don't even realize that meat comes from that nice cow over there. Yeah. I mean, it would be an odd way to get a child to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, see that guy over there? Now you're eating his brother. You're like, hey, hey, you like Peppa Pig? Hmm? I hope you enjoy your bacon. Um, <laughs> I feel like it would frighten them off too yeah. quick. But yeah. But this is just, this is the, the whole point of this program is just to sort of start teaching kids a little bit about where it's coming from, potentially how to grow it if you wanted to, like, like, that's such a life skill I think is so important. Mm-hmm. I was so shocked. I when I when I read this, I was like, oh yeah, we didn't learn this in school. No, I think I had a, maybe a biology teacher that told us that chips were not great food. <laughs> Clearly I've not listened to him. <laughs> but well, I think like that was like the extent of it. It was like an off comment. Yeah. Well you this learn is... about the like what it was that food triangle, but that's about it. Yeah, the the pyramid or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the pyramid was just like uh, bread and milk were like so. They yeah. were like you need you need to eat bread and milk and meat. And you're like, oh yeah, actually milk, no, I don't. Milk, what's the milk? Is it the milk farmers or whatever of Canada? They seem to have a lot of power. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, wasn't the pyramid like heavily influenced by some lobbying? A hundred percent. It was like it was yeah. like eat grain and drink milk and you're like yeah, yeah. i actually don't need to do either of those things <laughs> no and as an adult i can't really drink that much milk at all oh i can't so. drink milk it gags me but See, and i, I don't still know drink if lattes is... like every day oh so lattes that's... are different though oh, that's, so <laughs> that's not real milk no <laughs> no it's frothy milk it's that's all right, not I'm... milk I'm glad there's a distinction. I was unaware oh, yeah. that between cold milk and frothy hot milk, and like, there was, yeah. Cheese on pizza is fine, even though I'd probably get sick, but that's fine. That's fine. That's a fine, okay, use of Oh, I'm lactose dairy. intolerant. I, oh, there, yeah. There was a uh, a recent TikTok that I identified it so much with, and this guy was just like, it was, it was just a guy, he's just like, the, you say, people are like, you're lactose intolerant. That must be so sad that you can't eat cheese. And he's like, did you say, did I fucking say I don't eat cheese? <laughs> I just eat it and then I deal with the consequences. Yes. We actually should do an episode and have Gary back because she's 
dead steady zone though yeah i was just gonna say don't get me started on (laughs) the evolution of lactose tolerance um i will talk about it for three hours and no one will find it funny or interesting i will i I, gonna be a lot of poop talk again this is our way of sucking you in we're just like congratulations on our new member of the podcast everyone (laughs) you want to move into the drag sure good luck on that uh good luck ontario on that uh that bill yeah Mm -hmm. i mean you have a lot of other things going on so i don't know Hey, I think it'll go great. Our Congress moves very, or we don't have Congress. <laughs> it moves very fast through our uh, system. Oh, yeah. We're known so to. In, uh, uh, 2142. <laughs> we might learn where food comes from. <laughs> All right. Um, this is not healthy for you, this drink. Uh, <laughs> but hold on it does have strawberries in them and i don't know if you guys know this but you can grow strawberries in your garden oh (laughs) there's the tie uh this week you want to tell us what you picked carla yes we did decided to do strawberry daiquiri to tie it in with the gardening and uh i don't know if they're always frozen i assume they are yeah Uh, i think so it's so not like is, a margarita where you can like have it over. You can do that. It's like on a the blended rocks, yeah. drink, yeah. Yeah. So um, there's a lot. I'm looking at my drink now. I'm like, there's just strawberry seeds at the bottom of my drink now. <laughs> it's in my teeth for uh, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, um, but you... very refreshing on a cold day. Yes. Wait, on a hot day. On a That's hot... right. Sorry. <laughs> also, I, like, I only it... use like a quarter of a Mickey. Of I, I could not. Uh, I'll. Brittany, you can explain how to make this drink because I just fucked it up when I did it. <laughs> I poured in like half a Mickey and was like, I don't taste it. We'll just keep going. Also, just like your measurements of like, oh, I'm looking at I'm looking at the phrase six cup or, or yeah. like I'm looking at cup variations, not half a Mickey. Yeah, this one, uh, the recipe I found, unfortunately, was it's made for eight people. <laughs> and I was oh. like, and there, you know how you can kind of convert sometimes on recipes? This one does not allow you to convert, so. No, and you want to know something, too? Like, when something, here's the thing. Eight eight, eight people, who are these people, though? Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like when they say this is a four-man tent. It's a two-man tent. <laughs> it's a two-man yeah. tent, yes. This is, uh, so it told me uh, three-quarters of a cup of rum. I beefed it up. I put a full cup in, and then I split it between me and my sister, so. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you how to make it. It's a blender drink. And I'll tell you what's in it. Uh, half a cup of white sugar, four ounces of frozen strawberries, one eighth of a cup of lime juice, one half a cup of lemon juice, three quarters of a cup of rum, one quarter of a cup of lemon lime flavored carbonated beverage, and six cups of ice. I just used real lemon and lime and uh, poured some carbonated water in there just because I don't really keep pop mm. in the house. I'm very healthy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this you blend it all together it's pretty easy peasy man you just kind of throw all these things into a blender you blend it up uh pour it in a cocktail what i like to do is i like to i've been treating myself to what i call like a milkshake uh cup on the side so i fill up my drink and then when i come up to do the podcast i just have a little like milkshake container that i keep refreshing my drink so smart very smart i almost broke my blender doing this (laughs) Because uh, I did frozen strawberries, okay, and ice, and then because there was like really no liquid, 
besides the rum. Uh, it kept breaking my blender, but my blender might be on its way out anyways. So don't, but it, it was very thick. And then I forgot to put in, well, I didn't want to put the carbonation in the blender. What? Why? Are you supposed to? Well, I, the non-liquid variation didn't seem to. Yeah. I don't know why I had to say that so snarkily. <laughs> that's fine. No, that's fine. I just, for some reason, I was afraid to put the carbonated, like, like a, I put in 7-Up. Um, I didn't want to put it in the blender because <laughs> I thought it would explode. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I just assumed like all of the bubbliness would go away if you put right. it in the oh, blender. That's and a I good was point. Like, well, it told me to, so I guess I'm putting Sprite in the blender. <laughs> I, w- I was expecting like a uh, fork in the microwave style event to happen. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, here goes nothing. <laughs> It was on the internet, so it had to be true. So I just yep. followed the thing. Uh, <laughs> so the the daiquiri actually has a pretty interesting back uh, history to it. Cool. Yeah, it was created in Cuba. Ah, yes. Um, because uh, Cuba had lots of rum, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> and Cuba has lots of rum because they have lots hot of... there too. If, if we're gonna go through, yeah. So yeah, hot, so hot. So and <laughs> it's quite they have hot. Rum and it's hot. It's... <laughs> they have lots of rum and it's hot. Uh, mostly because they uh, grew a lot of sugarcane there. Um, mm. Which actually, sugarcane is not the easiest to grow. But there was a complex system of uh, used to create sugar crystals left over from molasses. They created in a lot of places. I'm really, uh, this is a long history, so I don't know if you want, you want me to bore you with the whole thing? Or I'm you want to just hear the cold note? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to hear. Okay. <laughs> uh, like, back in like, like zero. Yeah, wrong answer, everybody. <laughs> it was, it was O2. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know how rum is made. Is that a thing I'm supposed to know? Yeah, it's made from sugar. It's 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 like uh, what do you call it? Um, when you not distill, but fermented fermented sugar. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay, I don't know much about alcohol. Um, it's like a black. <laughs> I don't box either. I just co-host a podcast about alcohol. You know what? I really don't either. I kind of just week. read it, and it's one ear out and out the other. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've told this before. <laughs> Old dumb like, dumb over what? here has the retention of a fucking I don't even know what <laughs> sieve. I will. Okay, so I'll go from the top here. This is from the alcoholprofessor.com. Ooh. Classic cocktails in history. The daiquiri. So yeah, head over to the... Uh, I was like, I didn't know this existed after a year of doing this podcast. I was like, <laughs> what a helpful website. Uh, wow. So Cuba Is it actually, an actual professor, ma'am? Um, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Or gal. You never gal. know. Or gal. <laughs> or gal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but gals can be uh, professors as well. Oh my god! Okay, uh, Cuba has a very complex past. Most of us know it as the Cold War foe of the United States, a very foreign country that is a hundred miles away. Uh, it, but it's you know, it has been that way since Castro took power in 1950. First discovered by Christopher Columbus and claimed for Spain, this small island has been converted by others by other countries for its entire history. It has a temperate climate, great for making 
making it and growing crops. The daiquiri has a pretty interesting history. It was created by a fellow named Jenning Cox. Which, we have an actual name of a person. A real name of a person. Wow. He was one of the first iron miters on the island. Um, oh. And it was safe to be it's safe to credit him with the daiquiri the story goes that while he was entertaining guests one night he ran out of gin that everyone was enjoying at the time and he went out and purchased the easiest liquor anyone could find which was rub right so he added lemons sugar mineral water and ice to the rum and he turned it into a punch for his guests uh they absolutely love it and he, they wanted to know what the name of it and he did not have a name for it at the time so he called it a rum sour. Oh, right. So, yeah. So Cox, uh, uh, because it like caught on, like everybody was like, what is this? What is this? What is this? So he he wanted to find out uh, a more, uh, just a better name for it and something that was a little more associated with Cuba. So he changed the name of the drink uh, to the Daiquiri, which was a beach nearby. It was called Daiquiri Beach. Oh. Cool. And sorry, when was this? This was in 1762. Oh, so he was not throwing this in a blender. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> it was hand-crushing hand hand nice. Cr- 1740. <laughs> oh, oh. Wow. So that's old. old. Yeah. That's pretty old. That's, yeah. Which we, you wouldn't think. Like, he's, yeah, it's like, so the way he made it was he just crushed the ice. Right. He, it was basically a punch. Like, okay. Because he poured it all into a bowl and just kind of let the ice you know, be part of it. So I guess you could yeah. serve it like that. Yeah. But it was, uh, it wasn't until 1930 when the daiquiri started to step up into the limelight, courtesy of the two biggest writers of the area uh, of the era, era, era F Scott Fitzgerald was one of the first person people to write about it yeah. in Ooh, this side of paradise guess. written in 1920. Mm-hmm. And, uh, are uh, also, uh, of Mojito fame, mm-hmm. allegedly, Ernest Hemingway mm-hmm. as well, uh, had a profound right, yeah. impact on the popularity of the cocktail. Uh, because So he created, uh, he apparently created his own variation of it called the Hemingway Daiquiri or the Papa de Lobe. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I don't, I don't like it when people do the Papa thing. That's weird. Yeah, I don't, I... <laughs> Unless it's like Biggie, and he's like, yeah. I like it when you call me Big Papa. Big Papa. <laughs> it's not like a very enticing name for a drink. No, no. Papa Delobe. Yeah. Uh, kind of no. like Big Daddy's <laughs> drink. You're like, nope, nope. I'm out. No, thank you. <laughs> he just, like, yeah, he like made you call him Papa before he would make you one. You're like, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. He's like, does do, do you like Papa's drink? You're like, I guess. Yeah, you're like, you're uh, not my daddy. Please make me stop. Yeah, so his his variation was that he took the sugar out and he added grapefruit juice uh, and mm. maraschino liqueur uh, to the cocktail because he sugar did not agree with his system. <laughs> oh. uh, to so be fair, I also left out the half a cup of sugar from this because I was like, aren't we putting... Sprite and strawberries <laughs> in here. Yeah, <laughs> got I got sugar in it. I just embraced the um, deliciousness, <laughs> the calorie count, and was like, yep. "Yes, some Sprite. Yes, some strawberries, and <laughs> yes, some sugar." <laughs> I was like, 
But yeah, so Hemingway ties himself to another drink in Cuba that we was probably obviously <laughs> invented in yeah. the 1700s. So. Oh, Hemingway. Oh, Hemingway. questions. There's questions. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's the that's the drink. So make it. Uh, put it in a blender or put it in a punch bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw some ice in there and do whatever the you're frig good to you go. want. Yeah. Yep. Well, Carla, do you have any interesting mm. facts for us? I do. I'm actually going to concentrate a little bit on uh, trees. But my first thing that I found that was I thought was very interesting, vanilla flavoring, which we all love to use in our food, on our bodies, let's be honest. I think um, Sephora has probably bought all of the vanilla seed or beans or whatever in the world makes a lot of hair products out of it uh it actually comes from the pod of an orchid which i did mm-hmm. not know oh and though they're called vanilla beans they're actually like from a pod and so they are they're closer in relation to corn than green beans cool really not that i ever thought vanilla beans were close to green beans but i, I did not know it came from an orchid no i you know what it's one of those things where i just like haven't ever thought about it and then i'm like oh oh <laughs> i'm having like an inception moment <laughs> uh okay so trees the tallest growing tree is the coast redwood the sequoia semperverines semperverines <laughs> mm-hmm. which i think gary and i have seen yeah i we went to redwood Forest? Yeah. <laughs> I forget what it's Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I had to look it up earlier. I was like, that place in between San Francisco and the wine place. <laughs> yeah. With like really big trees and, and stuff. <laughs> and they are very big. Just driving on your way big. down to Napa Valley. You're like, there's so many fucking trees here. <laughs> <laughs> They're so big. Pers- we have to go around them. just forests in the world. <laughs> And trees are the longest living organisms existing on Earth. Wow. Not Which, mushrooms, hey? I thought sharks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess everyone's wrong. Uh, and one thing I kind of got, because I got really obsessed, everybody that's ever been to Vancouver gets really obsessed with this tree that is on top of a building. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. I don't okay. think I've seen it, but I've heard about it. So actually, Vancouver is... Got a lot of trees on it. I don't know if you guys, when I used to live downtown, you both would have been to my apartment. And, like, you can just sit outside and, like, it's kind of like living in a forest because all the buildings have trees on top of them. But back in 1987, uh, there was a – it's just one tree on uh, 1919 Beach Ave, also known as Eugene – Eugen- Eugenia Place. Oh, I thought you were going to say eugenics. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh no. I was worried where that was going. I know. Uh, I was so, like, oh, I hate the story. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever been down to the beach or down to um, the seawall, generally you kind of look up and you see this weird tree on top of a building. And so in 1987, when they were building this, they put a giant oak up there to represent the height of the cedars and the firs that once stood on the site. And I'm like, well, that makes oh, me depressed. That's so sad. <laughs> and they they had to use it. Was, they had to use oak because it can use cedar or fir. Because guess what? If you're a tree on top of a building, super big wind issues. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's 37 feet tall. Now, 
if you've ever heard about this or anybody talks about this because you're laying on the beach and you're like, oh my God, there's a tree in the building. People always say like, oh, you know, yeah, Leonard Nimoy used to live there. <laughs> I heard William Shatner, so obviously someone got confused. The Shats. Um, yeah. Um, apparently that's not true. But there's a lot of weird rumors that go around this place just because it's like a Vancouver kind of icon, I guess. And unfortunately, so it's been there from 1987. It did die in 2015 due to drought, which is funny in Vancouver. Because I'm like, okay. Do you know what would be the funniest fucking thing in the world is if that tree died of drought, but then the wind blew it off and it fell over and it knocked out like a whole patch of new growth trees. (laughs) (laughs) Just a Uh, sentiment gone down the drain. Yeah. It knocked out. Hey, there's actually some palm trees down there, so maybe it knocked out all the palm trees. <laughs> okay, I like it. Um, but they actually used a crane instead, as cranes are as uh, common as a pigeon in Vancouver. Uh, and the bill for replacing this tree was five hundred thousand dollars. Whoa! Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> thank God everybody has enough to eat all over the world because we can just burn money. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's Thank awesome. God everyone in Vancouver has homes and doesn't live on the street. Yeah. Or in their Winnebago on Walmart Avenue. Sky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome, Carla. Are those your facts? Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, I feel like this is a doozy of an episode. And uh my hour. Many thanks to our special guest Gary L. Brown. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Who- thanks for having me. All I want to do now is just turn this into a podcast where we ask Gary questions. So I hope you're, uh, I hope you're okay with that. I will drink some more daiquiris and get prepared for it's our just, next session. We're just gonna call it uh, <laughs> "Life Pairings Ask Gary," uh, the daiquiri edition 4.0. Yeah, yeah, love it. Thirty-seven installments. She's like, ladies, I have a job. <laughs> Uh, uh, we do this every week you guys and we're so excited that you listen and we're so excited uh, that we get to keep coming back and drinking and telling people we're working so uh, (laughs) thank you for listening Uh, please head on over to uh, our website our Patreon is over in the corner there's so many more uh, different so much more different content over on the old Patreon uh, that Mm -hmm. you have access to so have a look at that uh, our many thanks again to uh, 604 Records, the Comedy Here Often podcast network, uh, who continues to uh, support us and we get to be on their network. So thank you yes. for that. And uh, and we look- should maybe mention, we, you might be hearing ads soon. Oh, I heard them. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Uh, ah, so yeah, we're now like a professional we're, podcast. We're a real, <laughs> we're a real poop cast. Yeah. So- <laughs> Uh, thank you so much and uh, like, share, subscribe. We love you. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye.